0: Micah is the uh, new executive director of the Lighthouse Youth Center, and of course, church, we have known Buzz Tyson for a long time, and he stepped out of that role at the end of the calendar year, I believe, and Micah, you uh, got started up here at the Lighthouse when? Uh, Three weeks ago. Three weeks, here, I'm going to give you this, chair. Three weeks, oh, so it's still fresh. Very fresh, yeah. All right, all right. So um, Micah and I got to catch up here in the last week or 10 days, Uh, didn't know each other before, but got to talk about about what's going on and and what are you excited about. I just love talking to to church leaders and Christian leaders about what they do, why they do it, and how they do it. And so we got to talk about that a little bit. And I thought it'd be fun for you guys to get to meet Micah because, as you know, this month we are praying for the Lighthouse and all of that ministry and all of that staff. And as you guys transition into a summer mode, that's different than school mode. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you're learning not only the kids but also all the staff and volunteers. I'm sure it's quite a learning curve. Oh, yeah. So today, <laughs> today we're talking about, we're talking about focus, yeah. and I'm going to be talking in my sermon about focus. What are you focused on right now? I, I'm sure there are 900 different things you could do, but Micah, sure. tell us, how can we be praying for you? What are you focused on?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me here this morning. Mm-hmm. And one of uh, the things that I've been most looking forward to about being the Lighthouse is getting to know this community and all the different pieces that come together to make a place and ministry like the Lighthouse happen. It's not anything that one person does that makes that work happen. First of all, it is is God working through that ministry, but also using the community uh, to serve uh, his people and to serve the the youth and the families in the Oxford area, and so that is what I'm excited about. That is what uh, why it's so cool to come into a place like this, to a church that you know. Besides visiting with you the other day, I've never been to, but to immediately feel so welcomed and to see that continuity of vision and purpose for this community is that it's not just Waterway, it's not just Lighthouse. It's all of us coming together mm. to serve God to uh, to glorify Him. Through shining the light of jesus in this community and so that's that's what gets me fired up that's what helps me really i focus. couldn't tell
0: you know there's some t- some people when they start talking about god they get a little louder i mean you don't see that very often here yeah. but but thanks for sharing <laughs> uh,
1: yeah uh that that's why i'm so excited to be here um mm-hmm. and uh i've so felt that support from the community um, through uh, we had a drop-in event the other week, which I know some of you were at, and uh, just the being welcomed with open arms. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife, Kelsey, who wasn't able to be here this morning. She serves on the worship team at our church at Freedom Life. Uh, so she wasn't able to be here, but the, we've just yeah seen God working in our lives to bring us to this time and to see his faithfulness in where the lighthouse is and where we were to bring us together and really excited about what, the work that he's going to be doing.
0: Yeah, and so, um, so give us uh, give us two prayer requests sure. for the next couple of weeks. I, I mean, we're we're not going to forget you guys yeah. once we flip the calendar into June into yeah. July and start yeah. praying for them. But. What are two things that we can pray either for you personally maybe sure. you and your wife as you're you're both kind of changing some things in life or the lighthouse in general how can we pray Micah
1: yeah so I'll, I'll kind of make two things separating them I will ask for personally just it is uh, in any transition there's lots of new things but especially uh, for me just a lot to learn uh, both the organization to learn the, the Oxford and surrounding community mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's you know it's going to take time building relationships but I'm so confident that God has me here in this season for a very real purpose to serve the Lighthouse in this community. And so just appreciate your prayer for me to make those connections. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I've already seen that, which has been so good to see his faithfulness uh, to me in that. And also... Um, my wife and I are expecting our first child uh, in August, which is coming up very soon. Uh, so, would nothing appreci- else going on. Yeah, so you know, a good it's time a to have busy a baby. Summer for the layman's. Yeah. Uh, so, would <laughs> would really appreciate your prayer in that as we navigate uh, both uh, a new job for me and uh, starting our family. Uh, so, for he's uh, we're having a son, uh, and so uh, we're we're excited for that. And he's been healthy so far. But just prayer for a, a smooth and safe delivery for Kelsey, and uh, just uh, blessing over him and. Then also for the lighthouse, I think, as we transition to, to summer, takes away some of those rhythms of the school year where kids are, uh, you know, they have something, you know, all day, and they come to us in the afternoon, uh, which is such a blessing. But in the summer, there's all this extra time, right? And so we still will have them for a portion of time each day, but just really protection and blessing over them as they're uh, at home or, or in the community, uh, just for making wise decisions, mm. and ultimately that they would, uh, continue to come to the lighthouse. And what I thought was so cool is that earlier in talking about VBS, I was in explaining, you know, why, why do we do VBS, right? There's days that are, are really hard and you don't see that progress. I and mean, like, is this really worth it? But then there's those times where you see that one kid or you have that one conversation and you realize God is using this to be able to impact their life. And that's what it's all about right and so really just praying that over this summer that the students or or the the youth that come to the lighthouse when they come through our doors that they would sense that that difference that that hope that peace and joy that exists only through Jesus and that they would you know have some of those moments uh, whether it's you know seeing God maybe for the first time or in a new light and come to know him more Uh, that's what why we do what we do that's why uh, Waterway does uh, what they do and uh, that's, that's what it's all about and that's what we're really praying and, and, and hoping and working towards uh, that this summer that would happen.
0: So we will continue to pray for the whole Lighthouse organization, uh, but now these two prayer requests that Micah brought to us, pray for him and Kelsey yeah. as they get ready for, uh, for baby number one here in yep. August. Yep. And so we'll be praying for both of you just through all that. But also, uh, hey, let's remember to pray, and, and not just for those kids that go to the Lighthouse, but there are a lot of kids who mm-hmm. now in the summer just have a whole lot more unsupervised time than what they might be used to. And there are some parents that are struggling to keep up with that, and there are some parents, unfortunately, that aren't even trying. Correct. But... Um, Pray that that the children in your world don't get themselves into any more trouble than they ought to. I don't know if that's a good way oh, to say that. No, but, but. <laughs> I mean,
1: and even just, I mean, you know, being, being a teenager, young person is hard as it is. But especially mm-hmm. if you don't have that support or resources at home, it's even more challenging. And so... Uh, yeah, for for any youth, uh, obviously summer is, it comes with many great things, but it also creates its own uh, challenges and obstacles, and yeah, just praying uh, God's hand over all the youth in this community.
2: All right,
0: we're going to pray for you. Church, can we pray together? Lord, I thank you for, um, for calling Micah and, and Kelsey, really, to, um, to help out here at the Lighthouse. But Lord, I pray that you'll bless Micah, especially as he does his work as the executive director, help him to be able to make connections and build relationships um, with the community, with the staff, and with the children they serve, um, so that your name would be known throughout all the Oxford community. And Lord, I pray that you'll bless them and Kelsey as they prepare their home and prepare their lives um, for their son. Lord, let that be a time of health and joy, even though it will be a time of challenge. And, And so, Lord, in all of this, we simply ask your blessing and we thank you for the opportunity to get to know each other better today. Lord, we praise you above all and in all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Micah. Thank you. Appreciate you. Oh, there we go. There we go. Thank you. So there's a lot of stuff going on around us, right? There's a lot happening in our community. There's a lot happening with the ministries that we support. There's a lot happening in your life. There's a lot happening at your jobs. There's a lot happening in your homes. There's a lot happening here at church. There's a lot going on. Today, I want to focus and see if we can find some focus so that we can remember that in the midst of all this stuff, God himself doesn't change. And we can take refuge in him because he is solid. He is a mighty fortress. He is a solid rock. So now here at the beginning of this sermon, I'd like to kind of experiment with you. Do something that we've never done before. Um, and so if you're new with us today, and if this totally tanks, it's just an experiment. We'll edit it out of the video. Um, it, it's just um, an idea that I'd like to try. So today, our, the sermon is going to be built on Psalm 2. And what I'd like to do is before I just kind of launch in and start giving you my thoughts, I'd like us to read Psalm 2 together. And then I'd like to hear from you if you have any observations or thoughts or questions that God just kind of pops up based on Psalm 2 and and see if we can work together, work together to make sure that we all understand what God is saying to us through his scripture. So Psalm chapter 2 is going to be on your screen. I'm going to read it aloud. Why don't you read along with me? Okay, and if you have a phone or a device or, or a, a Bible in your hands, that's wonderful. We may, we're going to be reading out of the NIV. Whatever version you have, that's fine. But would you look at the screen and just let's read this together. Here we go Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. All right, in one sentence or less. One sentence or less, and in one sentence or less, what has God put on your heart? Is there, just call it out. Is there anything that, that struck you about that passage or that, that you wonder about about that passage? I'm just curious. Don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Good. Lead in the fear of the Lord. Wilmer? His wrath, can flare up in a moment. his wrath can flare up in a moment. So lead in the fear of the Lord. Don't be foolish. What else did you hear? What did you notice? The leaders of this world. The leaders of the world. God doesn't like haters. God doesn't like haters. Ooh, that's some good interpretation. We've got a future preacher in the world. What else? Yeah. Anything else that you heard? Stay away from evil. evil. Yep. What else? What else do we hear in there? Kiss his son, that's that's kind of an odd phrase, isn't it? Stands out. Yeah, we'll get to that one, Kevin. That that does kind of hit us, doesn't it? What else do you hear? I think of uh, Nebuchadnezzar's statue that gets crushed to pieces by the rock. Nebuchadnezzar's statue that gets crushed to pieces by the rock. Yeah, the nations conspire, right? And the peoples plot in vain. It's amazing the things that God stirs up in our minds and in our hearts. When we read his word, thank you. Thank you for for sharing some of your thoughts and some of your observations. I think we've shared some of the same ones as I've studied this week. But now let's let's dive in a little bit further. And what we're going to do today is we're going to go through Psalm 2 almost verse by verse. And, And I just want to examine this with you a little bit. But thank you for sharing your observations. I trust that you have helped someone around you to think a little bit more deeply too. Psalm two, verse one, why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? Psalm two, this is the second Psalm. In Psalm one, it's a very personal and individual calling for people to walk in righteousness with God. Psalm number one, the very first of the Psalms calls individuals, hey, walk with the Lord and avoid foolishness and avoid evil. Psalm two now is more about kind of large group, big gatherings of people, Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? There's a question mark there at the end. I'd like to suggest to you that there's an answer. It's because they are nations. This is what nations do. Why do they conspire? Why do people plot in vain? It's because they are people. Lions roar, dogs bark, haters gonna hate, players gonna play. Nations are gonna conspire, people are going to plot. This is how it is, right? It's been the case for 3,000 years. David wrote this psalm down a 1,000 years before Jesus, who lived on this earth 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago. The observation, why do the nations conspire the people's plot in vain? This is because this is what nations do. But here's what I want to ask you. Can you remember, and can you keep it in your mind, and can you maybe even remember in your heart that the nations are conspiring in vain? See the last two words of this question? Why do the nations conspire and the people's plot in vain? Those are two really key words, aren't they? I mean, conspiring and plotting, that sounds scary. I mean, I know some of us are fascinated by conspiracy theories. But what do all of those theories point towards? Something to be afraid of, something to look out for, something to be on guard against. And we hear about people plotting. I mean, how often do you hear about somebody who has hatched a plot and it's a good thing that they're working toward, right? These are the kind of things that we hear in literature and in the movies. We say, ooh, something bad's gonna happen. And so we worry and we get worked up when we hear about conspiring and plotting. But what is really happening here? Why do they do this in vain? See, our world screams at us constantly. They're plotting, look out. Look out for this other country. Look out for this cultural trend. Look out for this this other religion or or look out for the economy. Recently, look out for big tech. Look out for social media. Look out for AI. They're plotting. They're working together and they're conspiring. Did you see who bought out who and now they're going to pool their resources? Did you see see the the way that those armies are working and those nations now seem like they're conspiring? Oh, there's a lot of stuff that's being plotted and conspired. Well, Yeah, that's what nations do. That's what people do. But in the midst of all of the voices, do you remember, can you remember, brothers and sisters in Christ, can you remember that they're plotting and conspiring in vain, in vain? It says in verse two, the kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together. That sounds scary, doesn't it? Against the Lord and against his anointed. Remember, written 3,000 years ago. This isn't, this isn't like ripped out of today's headlines. It's not the cover of Christianity Today for July of 2023. This is David observing 3,000 years ago, the kings of the earth rise up, the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. David is observing, talking about people who don't know God, who don't follow God, and who see God as some kind of an oppressor, some kind of a punisher, some, some kind of one who just wants to keep people down. That's why they need to break their chains and throw off their shackles. You know people like this, right? Probably many of us have felt that way at one time or another. Have you ever felt like it was restricting you to be a Christian? Have you ever said or been tempted to say or heard someone say, you know, God's just trying to take away my fun. It looks like it'd be so much nicer if I could. I mean, Do you ever fall into that trap? Sometimes following God feels restrictive. It feels like we're missing out on something. The nations and the people are feeling that and so they're conspiring and plotting, thinking they'll break free from the bondage they feel to finally go have some fun or to finally have some power or to finally do things the right way. And we see this in our world, right? So many in society think they need freedom from God, freedom from Jesus, freedom from what the scriptures clearly tell us to do. And yet, what do we know? We know that freedom is only found in Jesus, right? I was going to say, if we were a church that said amen, I'd get a big amen. amen. Let's try again. Freedom is only found in Jesus. Amen. There you go. See, in a week and a half, our country is going to celebrate what? Independence Day. Independence Day. And you're going to hear so much about freedom. The word freedom is going to be anywhere. Let that be a reminder to you where real, true freedom comes from. Does it come from nations conspiring? Does it come from people plotting? Does it come from the kings of the earth saying, let's get free of these shackles? No, no. Freedom comes only from the Lord. It doesn't come from winning a battle or throwing off some ruler. It comes only from God. But nations tend to think, the freedom is found in nations, don't they? I mean, that's how nations work. And then verse four, and you'll notice how this echoes so much of what Reuben read this morning in a different Psalm. It says in Psalm two, verse four, the one, and that's the Lord, just let us be clear. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Now, we know from Scripture that God takes no joy in people being lost. God doesn't have some kind of sick, sadistic enjoyment of seeing people turn away from him and then turn to their own destruction. God doesn't like that. But when he sees people's schemes, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. Why? Well, it's right there in the passage. The one enthroned in heaven do you know what it means to be enthroned? It means he is sitting on his throne. We sang about that this morning. He's not pacing the floor. He's not wringing his hands. He's not taking a tums. He's enthroned. right? This is the king. And the king where? He is enthroned in heaven, which means he's enthroned in heaven. God is untouchable. God is so far above all of this scheming and all of these kings who think they are something, all of these people who think they will finally be something. God is over all of it just looking down and and their scheming makes him chuckle. It's kind of like peeking through the door of our nursery and wondering, what will happen if the one-year-olds unite? (laughs) Well, they can't reach the doorknob. How bad's it going to be? I'm supposed to be worried about that? (laughs) God looks down and says, You can't even even determine the number of your days. You want to live longer. You can't make that happen. God looks down and says, A little virus got you? Which one? I made them all. And and yet we think that we're going to find this, this new life apart from God that's better. God laughs. God scoffs. Is God worried? Is God worried? Does God worry about all this? What's the picture that you get here in Psalm chapter two? I don't think God's happy about it. It's not this deep belly laugh that God is so excited that, oh, look at all these people who are, rege- I don't know. But, but there's, the, there's the laugh that says, really? The chuckle that says, you and what army? I wonder, I wonder how much do you and I need to worry about all the scheming that we see. If we remember that God is firmly in control and that that he chuckles at all these little schemes, and if we're told to take refuge in him, which we are and which you read in Psalm 2, what's the very last verse? Uh, The number escapes me now at the moment. Verse, the last one. (laughs) We'll We'll get right back there. Verse 12. We're supposed to take refuge in God. Refuge in God who is not worried. God who is firmly in control. God who is enthroned in heaven. I wonder, can we sing and praise and relax just a little bit as we walk through this earth? There's no doubt that sin is a problem in our world. And, and of course, we have, we have thoughtfulness and prayer and strategy that goes into reaching our world for Christ. I mean, this is why we talked to Micah this morning. This is why we work with the Lighthouse. This is why we do Vacation Bible School. It's not all just because, <laughs> wouldn't it be fun? No, we've got a real job to do and a real mission. But I sense that there are a lot of my brothers and sisters in Christ who are not just focused on their mission, but they are afraid of the opposition. And I wonder, is there really any need for fear when our God is enthroned in heaven and when the scheming of the nations just kind of causes him to chuckle? I mean, look how absurd this scheming is. It's like a bunch of boys that go out in the backyard with some shovels and say, we're digging to China. And he's like, well, have, have fun boys. You know, don't mess up the flower beds." Are you concerned that they're going to end up in China and get themselves into trouble because they don't know the language? We don't worry about that because it's just ridiculous. Have you noticed, church? I mean, are you thinking, have you seen how all of the non-Christian, anti-God, have you seen how all those ideologies and philosophies and movements all eventually just turn on each other anyway? Do you see the insanity of people who are trying to live as if they could be free from God and also full of joy. Do you see this? And yet it seems like there sure are a lot of worked up, worried, scared Christians in our world. Is that really the way that God wants us to live? We should have concern. We should have compassion, absolutely, for the lost and the broken. But maybe it's all right to take the schemers a little less seriously. I wonder if some of us have feared them for too long if we'd worried for too long, if we've wrung our hands long enough. I wonder if we have fought with, warred with, argued with the conspirators and the schemers long enough. Are they really worth our time and our energy? And are they worth sacrificing our joy? Honestly, how much time and energy do you have, church? Now, unless you are specifically called To engage a particular part of the world's scheme and speak against it, write against it, think against it, argue against it, and and some of us are called to that. But unless you are specifically called to that, can can you chuckle? Can you just sit back and say, "It's craziness"? Can you work for justice without giving evil any more power or attention than it already has? Can you serve the poor and the marginalized without going on some righteous crusade against the evildoers? What does scripture say? It says God will judge, God will avenge, God will take care of things in the right time and we can take refuge in him. Christians, for some of you, your indignation is killing you and it's killing your witness. Some people, you just need to let them play their games. I like to play golf a little bit. I'm not very good at it. But one of the interesting things about golf, and, and I, I feel differently about it on different days, is that when you play golf, there's a certain way that you, that you should look while you're doing it. If you go into a sporting goods store, you'll see there's a whole section of golf stuff, golf shirts and belts and pants and, and the shoes, because you have to have, you know, when you're standing still in the grass, you got to really have the right kind of, and there's, there's this whole thing, and, and, you know, golf shirts are just fantastic and lovely and comfortable, and they make wonderful Father's Day gifts. But most of the golf that I do lately has been in charity tournaments. You know, like the lighthouse has a tournament and there's a tournament for the YMCA and there's a tournament for this school and you get four people together and you go play and it's a nice morning and they give you a big lunch and you raise money and, and that's fun. That's a really fun time. But what's really interesting and what I've noticed is that at every tournament, there is at least one team and it's usually some group of younger guys And they're all dressed up in, you know, there's a lot of golf shirts and some of you are wearing them right now that look great, but there's a lot of stuff that's really goofy too. You know, just really ugly, terrible stuff. And at every tournament, there's at least one group that got together and they decided they're going to have matching pants and matching shirts and they're ugly and they've got the right headband and they all have the same hair and they're having fun and they're having a blast and it's great, but you know what I've noticed about every single one of those teams? They are terrible at playing golf. Just absolutely the worst. Their names are never on the top of the list, and mine isn't either. So I recognize there may be some jealousy here. But do you know any people who you've looked at and said, well, that's just all show and no go. It's just all talk, no action. As some of our rancher friends out west would say, big hat, no cattle. This is the schemes of the nations, right? Isn't this the conspiring of the kings? Isn't this what David is talking about? David who was a king, who knows how politics work. David who had been sent on missions by God to wipe out some of those places. David had a pretty clear picture of what God's doing and he says, God, you just laugh at him. That's what we see in Psalm two, verses one through four. But now there's a little bit of a turn. After God has laughed, after God has chuckled, after God has scoffed at them, now there's a warning because God doesn't just leave people in their lostness. God always seems to be reaching out, saying, come to me. See, there's a warning here. Verse five, God rebukes them. What's a rebuke? That, that's not just a curse. A rebuke is, is including an invitation. Stop doing that so that you can be better. He rebukes them in his anger, terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. See, the kings and the people are plotting, but God has done his work. And it can't be undone. God points to his anointed one Remember, in the time of David, God used David as a powerful message to the nations. And because of the work of David and Israel, people and nations had to choose who they would follow. Would they choose to follow God, the God of David, the God of Israel who was showing his power? Would they choose to follow him or would they reject him in turn? And there always is an invitation to come back. And now, since the time of Jesus, God points people to the king again, the one who is seated at his right hand again in glory. But instead of talking about only David, he's talking about Jesus. He says, this is my son who now died and was risen again so the people on earth could be forgiven fully of their sins, that they could be restored and redeemed and brought back into relationship with the Lord. Only Jesus does that. And here, even a thousand years before Jesus, we see God inspiring David to write in such a way that he points to the king who would come. And so for this rest of Psalm 2, I want you to be thinking about two things together. As David is writing, he he is writing certainly about some things that are happening with God and David. But there's also a parallelism. Some people talk about types and shadows. There's this idea that Jesus, the Messiah, is also included in here. And so think about this through the lens of the Messiah. God says, I've installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. God is saying, here is the Savior. I'm not plotting and scheming. It's done. I'm not trying. I have. This is the power of our God. God laughs at people's schemes, but he speaks and rebukes and gets people's attention saying, look at my son. He is the way and the truth and the life. People can come to the Father through Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Jesus came to set the captives free. And yet the nations are scheming to throw off their shackles. Just look to Jesus. It's interesting if you want to do a little extra homework today, read Acts chapter 4 you'll read about Peter and John and some of the things that they go through with prison. Peter and John actually quote this chunk of verses from Psalms chapter two. They say, indeed, Jesus is the one. Here, let me read it for you. Acts 4, 27. They said, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. You can hear that language in there, can't you? After a direct quote of the Old Testament scripture. And so as Psalm 2 goes on in verse 7, David writes, and this is true of how God worked through David, but it's also true of how God is working through Jesus. David says, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son, today I've become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron, you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Now David never ruled the whole earth. Israel never had that kind of power. But there were, there were territories where God worked through David to bring God's justice and the attention to God's glory. And we know, we know that in the fullness of time, we know from what we've seen said to Jesus in Revelation that ultimately, ultimately, all of these things are going to happen. All of the nations will be an inheritance of Jesus Christ and the ends of the earth will be his possession. Now, this is what David says. David goes on. He says, therefore, this is David speaking to the kings. The Holy Spirit is on him. And David writes, therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. That's probably good for us to echo as long as we can do it without joining into the chaos of those crowds. David is speaking as a king to kings. And he says, look what God has done. Look what God has done in and through me. Look what God is going to be doing through his Messiah. Look at the power that God has given. And do you see the warning here? God doesn't desire for any to perish. As I've said, he pursues and pursues, but there will be an end to that patience one day. There will be a time where all the scheming and all the plotting wraps up where God says enough because after a while, a father gets tired of the little one just continuing to push, right? So David goes on, verse 11, serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son, or he will be angry, and your way will lead to your destruction, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Kiss his son. Yeah, that's strange language. But if you take yourself back in time 3,000 years, and if you would put yourself in the presence of David, the king, you would understand in that culture and in that time, and still in many cultures, to give a kiss to the king was to, was to state your allegiance. And this isn't like a romantic I give you a kiss, right? This is a kiss on the cheek. Or, or have you ever seen one of those movies? And kiss the ring. That's, that's kind of how the dark human side of things tends to work when that kind of oppressive thing, you know, kneel and submit yourself to my authority. What David is saying, all of you kings, kneel and submit yourself to God's authority. Kiss his son. Be in union with his son, Jesus. Serve the Lord with fear. Celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son because his wrath can flare up in a moment. What, what does he mean? It means that we don't know when things are going to wrap up. As true for David then, it's true for us now. We don't know how much time we have left, do we? I mean, is today our last day? Could be. Do you have things in order? Do we have another day? Another week? Do we have a couple years? Do we have centuries? It feels to me like we're getting closer and closer to the end, doesn't it? God's wrath can flare up in a moment. It can all be over. So David says to these kings, guys, just come to the Lord. Kiss his son. There's an invitation right there. Church, it's the same to you. If you are in this room right now and you've never aligned yourself with Jesus, you've never said, oh God, I've been trying to be free on my own. I've been scheming and plotting on my own. It's not working. If you've never come to Jesus and said, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I want to be forgiven by you, and I want to follow you. If you've never done that, I hope you will now, because we don't know when God's wrath is going to flare up, and it can flare up in a moment. This isn't, like I said, some cute or romantic thing. This is a statement of allegiance and alliance. So here is David warning and warning and urging and urging, serve the Lord, celebrate the Lord, recognize the Lord, kiss his son. And I urge and plead with you to do the same thing. Maybe you're a Christian and you feel like you've gotten a little off track in the last little while. Maybe you've gotten distracted. Maybe there have been things in your life that have taken you off a life of dedication and devotion. Well, stop it. Stop it. Come back to the Lord. Celebrate him. Give him your heart. Give him your life. You're not going to find freedom anywhere else. You're not going to find joy anywhere else recognize the Lord. Some of you have been rejecting God and, and you're just here today because it's making your wife happy or it's making your husband happy or it's getting your parents off your back or, or maybe there was just something moving in you today and you couldn't stay away. Let me tell you what's moving. That's the spirit of God moving in you, calling you back and saying, there is something that you need to be aware of and that's the fact that Jesus is sitting on his throne beside the father in heaven and they're not worried about your schemes. They just want your heart. Can you give your heart to Jesus? The invitation is there for every person who's ever conspired, every person who's ever plotted. Why? Do you see the very last line? Psalm 2 12. Blessed are all, 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 all. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. How do we take refuge? I'm going to wrap up with this in a different Psalm, Psalm 46. It says this, it says, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. This is Psalm 46. Now in verse nine, he breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. And I will be exalted in the earth. And then Psalm 46 goes on. No longer quoting the Lord. But it says the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. How do we take refuge? Sometimes some of you just need to be still. Some of you for the first time need to know that God is God. You need to decide it and decide to live like it. And some of you need to exalt God more highly among the nations instead of just stepping down into the fray and being one more loud cymbal or clanging gong. In Psalm 2 and in Psalm 46 and all throughout the Gospels, there is this encouragement. Blessed are those who take refuge in the Lord. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that we can take refuge in you. Thank you that you are indeed a mighty fortress. And yet, Lord, you don't push us away. When we come to you humbly and when we receive your son, Jesus, and when we turn from our wicked ways, you indeed forgive us. You welcome us home as sons and daughters. Thank you, God. We know that we have no other hope than you. Lord, as we now figure out how we're going to keep living our lives. Help us to do it with wisdom, compassion, and grace, and help us not to be too worked up over what the people around us seem to be scheming about. Lord, we don't want to be callous, and we certainly don't want to miss any opportunities to speak up on your behalf. But Lord, help us not to be worked up as we navigate our way through this life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, will you uh, you stand and sing a closing song with us? We're going to sing everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting, our God is the Lord. Will you sing with us?
2: From everlasting to everlasting you God From everlasting To everlasting everlasting, You Are God God. In holiness You stand secure Through culture shifting Sands Unchanged by all the vanities of men. And as the nations rise and fall, your sovereignty remains. You are. You are God from everlasting to everlasting. You are God in faithfulness, your love extends times of turbulence, adopting those who call upon your name, and every generation joins in songs of grateful praise, you are, you are. stay.
0: church, what's it look like for you and me to take refuge in the Lord? We've got to be people who are focused on God's mission, not just on the schemes of Satan. If you're called specifically to fight one of Satan's schemes, go for it with all your heart. But our mission here at Waterway Church is to help everyone we know become more like Jesus. And it seems like Jesus spent a lot more time talking about God than dwelling on Satan and the bad stuff. We know that pointing toward God is pointing away from evil. But which has more of your attention right now? Where is your focus? We have a gospel of hope and salvation and redemption to share with people. And if we spend all of our time getting worked up against the latest headlines, we give Satan so much attention and so much energy. I don't want to do that. I want to focus, here's a little rhyme for you so you can remember it. I want to focus on the glory of God's story, not the fear of Satan's fury. How do you like that? That's kind of cheesy and terrible. But, <laughs> but really, I mean, I want to be talking about the Lord. It is so easy to get sucked into just the bad things, because there are bad things happening. Our world is getting worse and worse. People are scheming, and nations are plotting in vain. Why talk about all that vanity all the time? Really? Now let's focus on God. Let's focus on God. Let the nations and the kings of the world pursue their vanity. It's not worth our time and energy, because we've got a mission from the Lord to help everybody we know become more like Jesus. So church, go be the church and listen for God. Let him lead you in your conversations, even now as you go to lunch. Amen? Amen? All right, so you know there's a lot of chicken that's been cooking. If you ordered chicken, you can go out the back